Hi there, and welcome to True Crime with Charlie G, the true crime stories for the investigative mind. Episode 1, Case 1, The Yorkshire Ripper. The Yorkshire Ripper, otherwise known as Peter Sutcliffe or Peter Coonan, was born Peter William Sutcliffe on the 2nd of June 1946 in Bingley, West Yorkshire. Son of John William Sutcliffe and Kathleen Francis, Peter was part of a large family with five brothers and sisters. At 21, he met his wife, Sonia Suzerma, originally from Czechoslovakia, in 1967. The pair married in 1974, after which he obtained his truck driver's license and found employment in the industry. Less than a year after his marriage, Sutcliffe's first victim was discovered. On the 30th of October 1975 in Leeds, a milkman investigating a strange silhouette in a field found the lifeless body of 28-year-old Wilma McCann brutally murdered. The victim had been struck in the head with a hammer twice before being stabbed 14 times in the stomach and chest area. Police initially believed the case to be an attempted robbery gone horribly wrong due to the purse of the victim being missing. On the 20th of January 1976, a second body was found. In an alley in Chapeltown, Leeds, the body of 42-year-old Emily Jackson, a prostitute, was discovered. She was found to have two blows to the head and 50 stab wounds and screwdriver punctures to the body. An imprint of a shoe was also found on the victim's thigh. After this horrific incident, there was a pause until a third body was discovered the following year on the 5th of February on a playing field. The body of Irene Richardson, aged 28, had three blows to the skull and a series of stab wounds to the body. After this, events escalated. On the 22nd of April of the same year, the body of Patricia Atkinson, aged 32, was uncovered. This time, the body was found in an apartment which differed from the previous bodies found in the open air. This case, however, was found to be linked after a bloody footprint at the crime scene matched the one found on the thigh of Emily Jackson. It was now clear that there was a serial killer on the loose in northern England. The press named the killer the Yorkshire Ripper after the brutal similarities between himself and his namesake, Jack the Ripper, who had, in the century before, left a trail of destruction and fear for the women, especially prostitutes, on the streets of London's Whitechapel. On the 26th of June, 1977, a group of boys came across a body in a playground in Chapeltown. Jane MacDonald, aged only 16, had three hammer strikes to the head and had been stabbed. Making the crime scene more disturbing, the young girl was also struck in the chest with a broken bottle. Two differences were found in this case. Firstly, the fact that the victim was considerably younger than the previous women and secondly, that she was not a prostitute. This now posed the question of whether the killer had changed the focus of his victims. Could it be that the targets were not only prostitutes now, 
and are any of the women of Northern England safe anymore? The Ripper's sixth fatal victim was found in Manchester on October 9, 1977. Jean Jordan, aged 20, was found in the most horrific condition. The prostitute had been attacked with sheer brutality. The later analysis found that Jean had been actually killed on the 1st of October, but not discovered until the 9th. She had 11 hammer blows to the head and was covered in numerous post-mortem stab wounds. In this case, the killer had also attempted, without success, to behead his victim with a piece of broken glass. It was later discovered that these terrible mutilations had occurred eight days after the death of Jean when Sutcliffe had returned to the body. He had realised that he had left a banknote with the victim that could be used to tie him to the murder and so went to retrieve it. Upon not being able to find this incriminating clue, Sutcliffe took out his frustrations on her body. In the following months and years, the Ripper continued to spread fear and anger across the country's women. The search for the Yorkshire Ripper became one of the biggest manhunts in history. Over 250,000 people were interviewed by the authorities and thousands of homes were searched. Even Sutcliffe himself was interviewed nine times in connection with the case, but had each time managed to convince the police he was not involved. During these years, policing was very different with cases being processed in paper form, not with the digital cross-matching like we have today. So it was easy to slip through the cracks in their filing. During his trial at the Old Bailey in London, Sutcliffe even was heard to say, it was a miracle they did not apprehend me earlier. They had all of the facts. Other issues did not help matters, like in 1979, when a tape that was reportedly made by the Yorkshire Ripper was handed over to the police. This turned out to be a hoax, but not without having sent the detectives in the wrong direction and wasting police time when trying to catch a horrific killer. By the end of 1980, there would be 13 killings and 10 attacks in which victims had managed to survive. These key witnesses were vital in providing information and photo-fit constructions allowing the killer to emerge. Peter Sutcliffe's reign of terror finally came to an end when he was arrested on January 2nd, 1981. He was found to be in a parked car with a false number plate with a prostitute. 24-year-old Olivia Reavers on Melbourne Avenue in Sheffield's Red Light District, they were found. Upon his arrest by Sergeant Robert Ring, Sutcliffe requested to relieve himself behind a nearby bush before being taken to the Dewsbury Station. A later inspection of this area uncovered a hammer and knife amongst the shrubbery and screwdrivers in the car's glove box, all favoured items of the famous Yorkshire Ripper. A warrant was awarded to search the Sutcliffe home. Peter's wife Sonia was also brought in for questioning. After two days of interrogation and being presented with this damning evidence, on the 4th of January he finally confessed to the killings. 
It was, however, several days until the police announced that they had caught the serial killer. Over the next few days, Sutcliffe calmly described the attacks, claiming that he was on a mission from God to kill prostitutes. At his trial, Sutcliffe pleaded not guilty to the charge of murder. He instead entered a plea of guilty on the grounds of diminished responsibility, claiming he had heard voices that had told him to kill the women. His trial lasted two weeks, eventually finding guilty of the murder of 13 women across Manchester and North Yorkshire and the attempted murder of seven more. Sutcliffe was sentenced to 20 consecutive life sentences, which were converted to a whole life tariff in 2010. This would mean he would never be free again, spending the rest of his life in prison. He spent many years at the Broadmoor High Security Psychiatric Hospital before being considered stable enough in 2016 to be transferred to Franklin Prison in County Durham for the rest of his sentence. On November 2nd, 2020, Sutcliffe was admitted to a hospital three miles away from HMB Franklin to have a pacemaker fitted where it was said he caught the coronavirus. A further 11 days after his admission, on the 13th of November, Peter Sutcliffe, the Yorkshire Ripper, died. Post-mortem results found him to have heavy, solid, airless lungs, a characteristic of patients who have died from coronavirus. So came the end of the brutal killer's life, leaving his name striking fear among women who have heard his story and lived during his horrific reign. His name now down in history books as one of Britain's most evil serial killers. This has been True Crime with Charlie G. Thanks for listening. See you next time.